Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy, and I am back again with super producer Alex for another Thanks, episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Alex, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well today. I always like it when you come on the show. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Did that surprise you? Did you okay. think you'd irritate well, me too much? <laughs> let, let me take that to the next step. Give me three things that you like about having me on your show. Um, I like uh, the banter and I like that you keep me off guard or um, on, on my toes a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and um, I think you have a very nice voice. Well, thank you. Those are actually three sincere things. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't think of a Did single Did you think reason. I was going to make something else up? Well, I thought you were just going to really pull things out of my butt. Like, well, you bring the best muffins and you have the chocolate chips and the well, red hot blues. You do there, bring nice, three nice snacks <laughs> to my house. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to be here and glad to be a part of this. Uh, well, speaking show. of bringing of bringing nice snacks, um, you cannot have a muffin. No, no. Well, I'll tell you what. Our guest today, Jamie Rice, got brought a nice snack, and um, while she was working at a bank, and ended up getting uh, the bank ended up getting taken for fifteen million. Was it a ricey snack? Uh, no, it was a uh, pie. Mary Carol McDonald. No, so not McDonald. Hang on. No, it's Mary Carol McDonald. No D. So McDonald. Mm -hmm. She scammed the bank that Jamie was working at in uh -huh. the commercial loan department out of $15 million. Walked off. She has disappeared. Now, here's the thing. And all that fit inside the pie? The pie was just tasty. So it worked. <laughs> never, never. Wait a minute. Jamie Rice was the loan officer at the bank. She and was Mary one of McConnell the team. McDonald yes. mm -hmm. came in and was able to, I assume, get a fraudulent loan for mm -hmm. fifteen million and walk off, walk off with it. Yeah, and part of her tactic was bringing pies. Did she, so she did that on a regular basis. She buttered them up with the pies and then mm -hmm. snuck out the back door with the money. Uh, pretty. It's about that. Yeah, but here's okay. the deal. Jamie now has a podcast about it. She has a true crime podcast. Dirty Money Moves, and she is the only true crime podcast because her her true crime is a little more dramatic than what we do here. It's it's very well researched, and she's on a mission. To find <laughs> I mean, it's not they, that we they don't actually know research. what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's dramatic with with the way that that she does things. Point being is that one of her missions through this podcast, Dirty Money Moves, is to find Mary Carol McDonald. She was personally involved in being scammed. And mm -hmm. I, I don't listen to true crime podcasts because there's so much conjecture. And I, I'm just not into that. I, I want the real facts. And um, Jamie has them in her show. No kidding. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, so she starts off with her own story. And then I assume she moves on. So she, with her her podcast here, She's moved on to other people's stories. She has some other stories as well that are, if they're not currently released, they're in the works. Yes. Huh, anyway, okay. Jamie, totally love her. If you're looking for a new, uh, like we want people to listen to our podcast, but if you're looking for some additional Dirty Money Moves is a fantastic one. And Jamie's going to share a lot of the story here with us today. 
And was there another podcast about murder or something? Um, she has a, oh, murderish. That's her other podcast. Ish, I don't listen like to that because it's because it's murder. I don't like murder. Yeah, everybody else seems to. I mean, they're in child entire channels on cable mm-hmm. devoted to you know murder next door and crap like that. It's uh, the well, they're Hollywood's trying to get me to change my TV show over to murder, which is why it's right. not on TV right now. So I'm not doing it. So, yeah, but Jamie doesn't have any problems with it. And, uh, <laughs> and she, but anyway, she's on a show today. I think we should just listen to Jamie and about her search for Mary Carol McDonald and what actually happened with this $15 million. I cannot hear. I, I cannot wait to hear how she managed to get 15 million squeeze out of this deal. So let's go yeah. do that. Let's do it. Bye. Hey, it's Tracy, and I am back with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. And y'all, this one is super cool. It is super cool because I have Jamie Rice with me. She is in the house, and um, she's kind of a big deal because she has a couple podcasts, and the one I really like is Dirty Money Moves. And it is a true crime fraud, uh, financial fraud podcast because everybody who listens knows knows that I don't like murder. Uh, so we don't talk about it, uh, but you have, um, Jamie, a very intriguing uh, story that you happen to turn into a podcast that happened to you real life. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on here. And I, you know, I absolutely love talking about this case, Tracy. So uh, I love getting into it. There's just so much to it that we could probably talk for hours. Oh, I think we could. Okay. So let's just, let's, I don't want to give a whole lot away, but we're going to talk about a few things. So yeah. um, my, my first, my first question is, were you a podcaster before this whole thing happened? Or like, how did this all come together where you were like, you know what? I experienced this situation that almost killed my career. And, um, I'm going to make a podcast. Like, how does all that? Let, let's start with first things first. Yeah. So I was a podcaster before I met Mary Carol McDonald, the subject mm-hmm. of Dirty Money Moves podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a baby podcaster. Like I was just starting out. I had fairly recently launched Murderish, my true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it certainly wasn't like a full time gig for me. It was kind of a side thing uh, at the time. So, no, Um and, and, you know, I met Mary Carol McDonald, the subject of Dirty Money Moves, as you know, back in 2018. And I didn't launch the podcast about her until this year, 2021. I'm oh, sorry, really? 2022. Yeah. Okay. It's that new. Okay. So let's get into the story. And okay. So I'm going to frame it up a little bit and then just add in whatever you want. So you, you're in a previous life, not so long ago, you were a, um, investment banker. It was an investment banker. Is that the right term or a commercial banker? So I worked for a commercial bank who had mainly like business clients and I was specifically in like commercial real estate financing. So I would finance, you know, real estate for business owners. Got it. Okay. And you're out in Southern California and one day, uh, Mary Carol McDonald, did she like walk in and and were you like the point person or was there someone else? Like how, how did this, what's the beginning? How did it go? Yeah. So I was not the point person, but my very close colleague was the point person for the Mary Carol McDonald relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, He worked very closely with our direct boss, as well as our EVP of our entire department. Those three sort of spearheaded, you know, bringing Mary Carol on as a client. But I was right there beside them. We were a very tight knit team. Mm -hmm. And every week we would have pipeline meetings talking about, you know, what we had, what loan closings we had coming up. So I would always hear Mary Carol McDonald's name 
when they would say, okay, we got her financials, you know, we're looking to close the loan in, you know, next year, February or whatever. So I would hear about her constantly and her business, Bellum Entertainment, Mm -hmm. just in those pipeline meetings. And then when we would go to lunch too, or coffee, we would just talk about the deals. Oh yeah, I'm working with this woman, Mary Carol McDonald, and I'd ask questions. So, um, but no, I was not the point person. Got it. Okay. And so she was in entertainment because she had kind of a true crime, uh, production company, which is no small deal. Cause I've done some TV production myself where I was executive producer. It is all in like, it is mind blowing how much work it is like in, yes. in that, in that zone. So she had several, uh, shows that, you know, were, I assume syndicated or maybe, I don't know how it all worked, but sure. a lot of true, true crime shows. And so, um, and I know she was friends with some friends of mine that got mentioned um in some friends of friends of mine uh that were fbi agents in, in entertainment now so uh so she's wormed her way into some like legit stuff right yes but then she came to you what's she looking for what like 14 million is that the number um, yeah it was 15 million okay, she 15. was referred to my colleague by a high profile entertainment attorney in los angeles named barry rothman oh that's right barry yes, yes he's on my yeah. list here of people to talk about because he yeah let's into, talk about barry <laughs> let's talk about barry because he was into some other stuff that we've all known about right oh yeah so barry is an interesting character was an interesting character but um yeah so in his past he's been an entertainment lawyer for decades in los right. angeles beverly mm-hmm. hills specifically and he's represented people like the who the band uh-huh. uh, the rolling stones yolanda hadid who was a supermodel who went on to star on the real housewives of beverly oh, okay. hills okay yeah so he he was a, a well-known figure in los angeles um he contacted my colleague and said hey i've got a potential client for you her name is uh, mary carol mcdonald uh she is a very wealthy woman a very successful ceo of a true crime uh true crime tv production company called bellum entertainment which was headquartered in burbank california mm-hmm. in los mm-hmm. angeles and uh he just said look she's looking for a 15 million dollar loan oh and by the way she's an heiress uh she's going to be inheriting like 80 million dollars in about a year she needs a bridge loan of about 15 million just to tie her over for personal expenses before she gets that payout from the family trust. And I say that in, in air quotes. Right. Now let's talk about this family trust situation because this, this, <laughs> this whole, okay. There's so much I just want to ask and I don't know how to ask it all at once. So we'll just piece it out. Sure. So she, she had this quote trust and, of like because she claimed that she was a, a mcdonald douglas uh heiress right Correct. to that whole Correct. thing right yeah the aircraft company mm-hmm. so uh mary carroll had claimed for a really good portion of her life uh i don't know when it exactly started but for decades she had been telling people that uh she was an heiress of the famous mcdonald douglas family specifically the mm-hmm. mcdonald side uh mcdonald douglas was a very uh, high profile uh aerospace manufacturing company yeah. that merged with boeing back in like the 70s or 80s i want to mm-hmm. say so the mcdonald's were extremely wealthy yeah right and and mm-hmm. her last name is mcdonald uh, that's her real last name and it is spelled like the McDonald's from the aircraft company. Um, but she is not, I mean, we came to find out later, you know, through the podcast and the research, but she had been telling people her whole life and people had no reason not to believe her. 
you know, that well, she was this heiress. Yeah, because, you know, she had sounded like she had all the money. She wore the expensive clothes, the whole thing. And here she comes in and says she's going to in, uh, in, uh, inherit like 80 some million in a year or something. Right. So, OK, so here's where it goes sideways, because you got Barry and then you have um, and my note says um, there was a notary. But yes. then but then you have all these people at your bank that gets sucked into this story, right? And so, Correct. because, you know, my whole thing with, with what I do is, okay, great, let's uncover fraud hidden in plain sight. Because you probably know I'm a body language expert. That's what I do. I help corporations and a lot of financial groups spot fraud, okay? And so this, I'm so fascinated because this was just an epic systemic fail. F because up. excuse it, me. Yeah, yes. Uh, wait, say it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said F up. I'm so sorry. Oh, I no, you can use say that it. language. Okay, no, cool. It's but, just yeah, us. Epic, it's just us. Epic. Yeah. It, so what, take us down that road. Like sure. being on the inside of that, like what do you not say on your podcast that, that you're just like, you know, this happened? Like did the hair on the back of your neck ever stand up or like, yes. what, what went on? I scratched my head so many times. And, it, you know, to answer your question, what I... Tr- what I feel like I can't dive too deep into just yet is how I how I feel about how the bank, specifically, you know, Bank of California, who gave Mary Carroll, this fraudster, this phony mm-hmm. heiress, a $15 million loan, how they were duped because yeah. they're they made a huge mistake. I mean, there there was a huge mistake. And you know, Bank of California, it, so I guess what I what I'm trying to say is that. You know, there's a lot I want to say, but I've been very vocal about my opinion that they this this f up should not have happened. Right. This this is a this is a reputable bank. Yeah. Very smart people work at this bank. This is a federally regulated, uh, publicly traded bank. So there are investors uh-huh. in Bank of California. Uh-huh. And you know, when Mary Carroll got this fifteen million dollar loan, part of the loan agreement was that she supposedly had this $28 million investment account at another financial institution. Right. Right. Yes. That uh-huh. she agreed. Barry Rothman presented a document saying, here's the account to to, to the bank. Yeah. Bank at of California. Northern Trust, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He says, look, she's got $28 million in an, in an investment account at Northern Trust. Mary Carroll is willing to pledge that account as collateral for the $15 million loan so that you have a great backup plan. If like the payments aren't made or whatever, like you can be made whole by this collateral source. And the bank took it, of course. I mean, that's, that's great. That just, you know, lessens their risk a whole, a whole lot. However, what the bank failed to do, which is just mind boggling to me, because this is just lending 101. When you have a piece of collateral, an investment account, for example, Uh uh, for a loan, uh, especially a loan of that size, you absolutely have to make damn sure that you have secured your interest, the bank's security interest in that collateral source so that should shit hit the fan and she just bounces out of town and doesn't make her loan payments, which is exactly what happened, that they can go in and liquidate that investment account quickly get their money back because they are they've they've secured their interest in it right sure, sure the bank didn't do that obviously because what happened you know eventually was that 
Mary Carroll got this loan from the bank. It was funded to the tune of about 14 plus million dollars that Mary Carroll had the bank transfer to her accounts. And when the bank went to go verify that collateral source, the collateral source didn't even exist. The document that Barry Rothman and Mary Carroll had presented to the bank from Northern Trust, it was phony. She did not have any type of investment account. So the $28 million was false. It was fake. And the bank... The bank should have never funded that loan without making absolutely sure they've secured their interest in a real investment account. So well, it was a huge blunder. Well, that's well, that's the thing, because so Barry had to be in on it. This notary had to be in on it. So we're, we're, we're and, and then all of a sudden words like conspiracy get, you know, thrown around because that's like more than one person like in a yeah. in a fraud event. Right. Sure. And so. Did y'all ever get because okay, because here's the kicker. Cause Barry died. Cause didn't he right. like go to the dentist? Oh and my gosh. Die? So and- yes, that's a huge part of this story because you know, the it would change the course of this case and this story had Barry never died, right? Because right. certainly Mary Carroll had help pulling off this $15 million scam against Bank of California. Uh-huh. It was an elaborate scam. There were a lot of moving parts. Certainly she had help. At the very least, I firmly believe that Barry Rothman was involved. He knew she didn't have the investment account. He probably knew she wasn't an heiress, but he went along with it because there was he was going to get a piece of the pie. Now, that's my theory based on the evidence that we've uncovered, right, based on what we know. And I think that a lot of people would draw that conclusion. But, you know, that said, after the bank had finally realized and all of us who worked at the bank realized, holy shit, we've been scammed Uh for $15 million by this woman. Who is she? How'd she do it? This is crazy. Um, We were all in shock. And just a few days later, we get a notification, uh, um, actually not on our phones, uh, the the security, the, um, the bank's internal security team who was investigating this Uh uh, before the FBI were brought in they told my colleague, the one who brought Mary Carolyn as a client, sort of as like shock value. They they knew that Barry had gone to the dentist and died that night uh-huh. when he went home. They knew that he had died under weird circumstances, but they held it. And then they used that information to sort of like shock my colleague into confessing anything he might know about this elaborate scam, which, by the way, my colleagues had nothing to do with the sure, scam. Sure. They had been right. hoodwinked. By this scam artist, just like everybody else was. But so as my colleague tell, tells it, he says that he's being interrogated, you know, uh, more than once by by yeah. the bank security team. And they're like, oh, by the way, you know, Barry's dead, right? Or something yeah. like that. Right. right. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. And he said his face turned white. And I saw him, my colleague, after he left that interview, uh-huh. his face was white. He was in shock. He had no idea that Barry Rothman had died. And the way that they presented it to him to shock him, it, it worked. He was and he was sad because this is before we knew that anything about Barry Rothman not being such a good guy. Right. Sure, like all sure. he knew was I've known Barry Rothman for years. He's referred me clients in the past. We have a professional relationship. We get along. And now all of a sudden you're telling me he did. De- he's dead after a dental procedure. So my colleague was like shocked, sad, uh, confused. So then he broke the news to all of us, my colleague. And he's like, you guys, 
Barry Rothman died in the dental chair. Uh That was the story. I found out later he didn't actually die in the dental chair. He did have some serious dental work done and he Uh was put under anesthesia. He went home and died at home or on the way to the hospital, but he, he dropped at home. Um, and he had some health issues. I had, you know, I I looked at his death certificate. He, he wasn't in the best health. So, uh, but yeah, he died at a very opportune time. So we were all shocked to find out. So of course, not knowing how he died, only knowing that it was weird circumstances, the timing of it, we all could not help, but think that Mary Carol had something to do with it because if they were in on it, yeah. The scam and he was going to get a piece of the pie. Number one, maybe she wants to keep all the money to herself mm-hmm. and flee the country. And number two, she he knows too much. And maybe she thinks that he's going to say something. So she has him killed and then she bolts. We found it out that sense. that's not what happened. But right. we all believed that. We all absolutely believed that. Wow. OK. OK. So let's let's talk about Mary Carroll. Like just because she did a couple things that intrigue me. Uh, and so the whole thing with the pies that she brought. Now, here's the thing. Here's where me and Mary Carol are like. Okay. And that is that her tactic of bringing pies to somewhere, that is actually my tactic. Okay. Because <laughs> I claim, and this is this is my own claim, I make the world's best apple pie. I do. Oh, gosh. Now and, I got to try it. And, and, um, and so when so the pie thing hit me, I'm like, oh man, I am I am I <laughs> are you a are you am a con I, artist? No. I know. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and so um like what was unique about her? What what caused people to say yes to her? Like besides the pie, right? Because when you feed people, they're gonna say yes, okay, more easily. Like that's a that's that's a fact of a thing. If you feed them something warm, and give him a warm drink, they will say yes more than to something cold. Well, what was different about her? It's a few things. And actually, the I believe the pies factored in a lot heavier than people may think. Oh, but I'll get to that. But I think that Mary Carol, she was tenacious. She mm-hmm. would not take no for an answer. If you turned her down, let's say she approached you. Uh, Tracy and says, you know, you're, you're a wealthy woman in this, you know, she knows it. And so she's like a, a shark who smells blood, you know, with, when it comes to wealthy people, she takes you to lunch, she treats you, she brings her pies or whatever. And mm-hmm. she's like, I've got this investment opportunity. You know, you know, I'm an heiress. I'm going to be getting this $80 million. Uh, people are making real money off this investment. You know, I'm playing Mary Carol right now, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, she's sure. presenting it to you. And you're like, oh, it sounds, she's like, look, if you invest a million dollars, I can pay you a dividend of $200,000 in a year, right? That's Quit. right, because she was doing that. She was doing that. So in, Investing in her trust, which is just weird. Sounds sounding. weird. Yeah, sounds weird. Sound right. mm-hmm. Yeah, like why do you need investments in your trust? But okay, so she would do that. And if you said no the first time, she's not. She's going to come back at you. She'll have a different angle next time. She'll bring the pies next time. She So she would almost hound people, mm-hmm. but sometimes she would get them on the first, you know, first uh, ask. Mm -hmm. So she was tenacious. That's number one. She knew what she wanted and she would go after it and she wasn't embarrassed to like keep asking. Mm -hmm. That was number one. Number two, she looked the part and she was a legitimate figure or so everybody thought in the entertainment business. She was supposedly this you know, she was an Emmy award winning, you know, producer at one point. She had made her way up the, the chain at the very top level of big you know, media companies like Raycom mm-hmm. Media. And then she builds, you know, Bellum Entertainment, her flagship company. She's the CEO of this, you know, true crime 
TV production company that's churning out all these true crime shows. So so she had this air of legitimacy. So of so she just people were so disarmed by her. Uh-huh. You know, why why would she and also, you know, it's such a big thought to let your mind go there to think that the person sitting in front of you who's a white woman in her 60s has all this success behind her. People know her in the industry. She's got a multi-million dollar house, a Porsche, a Birkin bag. She's an heiress. It's a really big thought to think that she's sitting there boldface lying to you and she's going to rip you off for millions and she's lying to you that she's an heiress. Your your instincts as a human being are to believe her. It's just, I think it's too big of a thought to be like, oh, this chick's lying. Yeah, right. You know, uh-huh. all this, got this air of legitimacy. Now with the pies, The third prong to that is I have come to believe that the pies were a big part of her scheme. They disarmed people. Uh They, 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 it made people feel like warm and fuzzy. And like, I made you these homemade pies. I'm such a sweet person. I'm just this older woman who bakes pies. And, you Uh know, so I think that the pies were a big part of her scam. I really believe that she knew that it would disarm people and it was sort of like the cherry on top, if you will. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And 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 I think that it worked. It so, does work. I'm telling yeah. you, personal experience. And you know, the only person who it has not worked on is my mother-in-law. <laughs> 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 and so that's a whole other story for a different time. But man, I love that. A tough nut to crack. <laughs> so Oh, you know, listen, I, I'm sure we all have some really interesting in-law stories, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So slow, like, uh, slowly, well, maybe not that slowly. Y'all started to figure out, wait a minute, the money's not coming, right? Because yes. like, and this was kind of her pattern because you have discovered like through, I guess your podcast, and we're going to talk about your research in a little bit, but like the, this was kind of her thing. She would get a loan, she'd pay two or three payments and then boom, done. Yes. Sort of like wedding the beak, right? So Uh she, and this is, you'll, you'll find that this is something that's very common for scam artists. They sort of like wet the beak. They Uh know that they're smart enough to know that let's say that you said yes to Mary Carol Tracy. And Uh you said, sure, I'll invest. Let me start with a hundred thousand dollars. I'll invest a hundred thousand dollars. And, and so what Mary Carol would do is she'd take your money And eventually you'd get, let's say, $20,000 payment. And you're like, wow, I made money. You probably go and tell your friends, gosh, this was a really worthwhile investment. She wet your beak. You saw that it worked, that it's legit. You're going to get your money back. Mm -hmm. Then she goes in for the kill. She's like, Tracy, you made 20 grand on $100,000. Do you want to invest a million dollars this time? And get 200 grand back. I mean, let's do it again. Let's just keep this thing rolling. And that's what she would do. And many scam artists do that. They sort of like wet the beak. Mm -hmm. They they pay a little bit just to show you like, hey, yeah, I've got the ability to pay you back. This is all legit. And then they go in for the kill and then you don't get your money back. And that's. Yeah. And she just kept doing that and doing that. Okay. So. Here, here's what I'm going to, okay. So I'm going to encourage everyone to listen to this is dirty money moves. And it's a a really nice podcast and you can find it wherever you, Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can get Dirty Money Moves. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, because you have a team working for you. Um, yes. And so how big is your team? How are you doing your investigation? Because most of it seems like public record kind of stuff. Or are you, like, how deep are you sniffing? Like, what's, how, do you have a plan when you go into this? Or do you, do you just kind of, like, see what you can find? I mean, what? tell me about that. 
Yeah. So uh, with my other podcast, Murderish, mm-hmm. I have a researcher and writer who I've been working with for about three years now. Okay. So when I pitched the idea of producing a podcast about Mary Carol McDonald to my network who represents Murderish, uh-huh. um, I let them know that not only do I have this idea, I want to look into this woman. I think there's much more to the story than what I know on the surface. And Mm -hmm. boy, was there ever. But I also let them know that I also have a really, really good researcher and writer, Gina, who I've been working with on Murderish, who we could pull over and assign her to this project. And she would do a damn good job. And there was nobody else who I knew or could trust to do a good job job of it to mm-hmm. to tell the story factually to do the deepest dive that we could do possible yeah. um and Gina did just that so yes some of it is public record some of it is uh the the personal account from myself and others who mm-hmm. knew Mary Carol they worked yeah. for her or um you know just all you you know we brought on people we interviewed them uh about you know their experience so yeah, they yeah. they filled in you know pieces of the puzzle but also we had a lot of anonymous sources. So oh. I knew that when we produced this podcast, people would probably listen, you know, especially people like in Los Angeles. They're like, hey, I know Mary Carol McDonald. Holy yeah. shit. She didn't pay me. And then they go and tell their friend and they tell a friend and a friend and a friend. Well, what started happening is we started getting a lot of direct messages and emails from people saying, hey, I knew Mary Carol or, hey, I'm close with her whatever, whatever. I don't want to reveal too much. Right. Sure, you know? Yeah. But, but, but yeah, yeah, like people who like your hairstylist or whatever. Yeah. Stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. So we would get these emails and a lot of people wanted to remain anonymous and that was totally fine with us. Um, and, but we got a lot of information. That's how we were able to talk a lot about Mary Carol before she became like this prolific scam artist. Right. Because right. that would have been really hard to dig up if you don't have sources who knew her then or knew people who knew her or something like that. So that, that was probably the biggest piece to the research was finding these people who were willing to tell us what they knew, whether anonymous, anonymously or not, Mm -hmm. uh, that really filled in a lot of the pieces of the puzzle that I don't think we would have ever gotten with public record searches. Wow. So, so, um, did you have the whole thing done and then release it or or you just kind of go like week to week or I, I don't know are you still going or what yes the, yeah okay so so um no we didn't have the whole thing done so basically our goal before we launched with episode one was our goal was we wanted to have at least three we wanted to have three episodes researched and written okay just in case you know just to get ahead of the game a little yep. bit so that's exactly what we did once we got to three completed research researched scripts then we launched episode one with two in the bank. And then we, from there, we released a brand new episode every week. Uh-huh. It gave us a little bit of a head start. Luckily, we were able to stay on track each week. Um, I think we did about 10 episodes or so of me narrating the story. Yeah. And then once that was done, then we started airing interviews of people who are connected to the story. Mm-hmm. There were like more than a handful of those. And we're still on this story. It's just that, Basically, where it, you know, you know where it ended, there is not a period at the end of this uh, case yet. There Mm -hmm. is still so much more to do. We are 100% on it. There are a lot of things going on behind the scenes right now as we speak to try and essentially put a period on this story. 
Um, I have been in touch with the FBI, um, the FBI agent who's who's in charge of Mary Carroll's case. Uh-huh. And so we're working with them or at least we're, we're, we're talking. They're not working with us, obviously. That's not how it goes. But <laughs> yeah. I am doing what I can as a citizen yeah. sleuth mm-hmm. to help them put a period on this case. Wow. So so the period won't come till she's found because she's she's MIA, right? She's on the lam and she has been ever since. So you had asked me earlier, you know, yeah, she got this $15 million loan. And then when it came time, you know, just before the first payment date was approaching, Uh the chief credit officer of the bank who had ultimately signed off on her Mm -hmm. loan got a little uh, worried because Mary Carroll was not responding to phone calls, right? you know, emails. She was just kind of like MIA, whereas before she would call back right away. Of course, she wanted her money, right? Yeah, yeah. Now that she's got the money, we can't. So he was nervous. So he calls Northern Trust to verify. Let me just make sure because it's looking like, I mean, maybe we're going to have to liquidate this collateral account if she doesn't pay us back. Right. He called and that's when he found out collateral account doesn't even exist. And it was like an oh shit moment for the bank. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, we never heard from Mary Carroll again. She never responded to emails. She never responded to phone calls. She has been corresponding with people in the US, even as of like very recently by email. Yes. And and, and do those people kind of get back to you and be like, hey, yes. guess what just happened? But they don't know where she is. They Are they asking or what are they? Well, I ha- I do have sources, uh, two in particular, who I will, they, they are confident as to her location. Um, and and uh, I haven't been able to um, confirm that, but I'm where, doing where, my can, best. Can you give us, can you give us like a continent where you think she might be or United Arab Emirates? Oh, I, I, and I, yes, I've gone back and forth on that because Mary Carol herself, she, you can see it in court records and, and stuff like that. She has told numerous people and her lawyer and everybody has told the courts that Mary Carol uh, went to Dubai on business, uh, you know, back in mm-hmm. 2018 after right. she didn't pay the loan back. Um, but she'll be back in the States as soon as her project is done. Well, that hasn't happened. I don't think she, you know, we still she it's sort of like a mystery where she's at. I don't think she's returned to the States. Now, I had said on the podcast on Dirty Money Moves that I didn't believe she was in Dubai because like if you're a scam artist, who's got seven federal indictments Uh against you and Uh you go on the run, why would you tell people exactly where you are if you're on the run and don't want to be found, right? So I'm like, there's no way. Mm -mm. doesn't make sense. However, based on information that's come in from sources who who I have deemed credible, I do firmly believe that she is in the United, United Arab Emirates, maybe not in Dubai, but in the UAE. And um, I think now it makes a whole lot of sense for many reasons that she would be there. Um, well, she likes no, opulent things, right? In that place is a lot of money. That. Yeah, there's a lot of money in Dubai. That's number one. She She's a magnet for rich people. That's mm-hmm. all she knows how to do. She only knows how to live on the backs of others. Specifically, she has honed in her craft for, you know, to, to scam wealthy for people. Banking. Yeah, yeah for, exactly. So but also, you know, there's no extradition treaty. Uh, for the UAE in the United States. So yeah, there's I was going to ask about that if there was. Yeah, there is none. So that's going for her. And I think number three is that I do know that Dubai specifically has become sort of like uh, a haven for like 
criminals, you know, white collar crime criminals to run there and, and, and also start shell companies and, you know, run financial scams there. It's like a whole thing. So, you know, it, to me, it makes sense that she's there. And if she is, I don't think she, if she can help it, she will not step foot in the United States because, you know, the FBI and, um, you know, the, the, uh, the federal prosecutor, I mean, they, they've, they've got to be tracking her. Right. And, and if she's in the United States, I would imagine it's not that hard, maybe, you know, well, for them to catch up they, to her. They'll, they'll have some flag when she comes into the country, like for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. So she's out there on the run. You are continuing to, uh, research as, as you can, which is, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, to come up with, a report every week or something like that's a lot of work, right? So it's a lot of work. Yeah. How many hours a week are you working? Oh my gosh. Well, I, it's hard to, you know, just on dirty money moves. Cause I also have murderish sure. and I have another project in the works. That's something that spawned from dirty money moves. And so it's like, just, um, it, it's a full-time job. Uh-huh. It's a absolute, like, if you think of regular hours of somebody going to corporate America, that's what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And and sometimes on the weekends, I try to use the weekends for family time. I have a young daughter still at home. And uh-huh. so, you know, trying to trying to balance that. But it, it's a full-time gig for sure. Oh, it's yeah. a lot of work, but I do have a team and I have to shout them out because I could have never done this on my own. There is, this, I don't have oh, the yeah, time the and resources. Is- the team, they're they're critical, especially Gina, my researcher and writer. She are she and I are in a text thread on a daily basis talking about this case. She is probably even more obsessed with it than I am, if that's even possible. Uh-huh. Um, but she's like a dog with a bone. And um we're and, and it's a compliment. Like she really, really is on this and she's doing everything in her power to see that justice is done in this case. We both, that's really all we want. It's not that I have this vengeance against uh, Mary Carroll that I mm-hmm. absolutely hate her. I mean, I do. She's a just deplorable person. Yeah, She's wrecked a lot really. of lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I luckily was not one of her victims, you know, um, but but I just want I'm somebody who has always had a strong sense of justice. And it drives me crazy that somebody like her has been allowed to just live her life, meet with all this wreckage that she's left behind and yeah. man, she just needs to be caught. She needs to pay for what she did. I want her victims to be able to stand up in court mm-hmm. and say how it affected them and say whatever they want to her. And, um, it's a little petty. I'd love to see her in a jumpsuit. Now this uh-huh. is a federal case, so I know it won't be televised and, you know, in the big grand scheme of things, it's not like she's, um, Al Capone or anything, right, but, uh, right. you but, know, but I yeah. just, I want to see it happen. And I, and I, I do believe that she will be brought to justice. And I don't think that that's um, pie in the sky thinking. I really, uh-huh. truly, based on everything I know, I think that she will be brought to justice. It's just a matter of when and right. how. Well, we're going to keep our eye on it. Okay, what's next for Dirty Money Moves? Because I heard you might have some other cases you're looking at pursuing. Yes. Yeah, we want to keep this going. So um, right now we are currently researching our season two case. And I I don't know when that's going to launch. It's all based on the research and how quickly or slowly that comes in. Um, But in the meantime, so that we keep the feed active, we're we're putting out mini series on fraudsters. So it's like anywhere from two to four episodes on, for example, our first mini series was on Jen Shaw. She's Uh a standout cast member of the reality show, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. I didn't, um, I haven't listened yet. So yeah. t- what's the preview on that? 
She's a real peach. Uh, and by peach, <laughs> I mean narcissistic scam artist. Uh, Jen Shaw is a, if you watch The Housewives, you know exactly who Jen Shaw is. She's very uh, loud in your face. She's very bougie. She had this opulent lifestyle that we saw play out on TV, but it never quite tracked with like, what do you do for a living to make all this money? Her husband's not a super wealthy guy either. So it just, mm-hmm. it didn't track. Well, lo and behold, she's been running this big telemarketing scam for years. Oh. And the FBI has had their eyes on her for years watching her as part of this like nationwide uh, telemarketing scheme. And fast forward to today, she just after after shouting from the mountaintops, this is Jen Shaw saying she's innocent and starting uh-huh. this hashtag online free Jen Shaw. Meanwhile, she was never locked up, but she was just, you know, like, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Oh. She just pleaded guilty. She just pleaded guilty. And she's facing like 13 years in prison. She was a total scam artist. Wow. From TV to prison. That sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. From Gucci boots to orange jumpsuit. I guess orange. They say no one looks that good in orange. Um, yeah. any, now, so what what other uh, cases are you looking into? Yeah. So our and then our next mini series uh, that we are about to launch next week, it's going to be on Gwen Shamblin. She's the lady with the big, 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 big hair uh, who was featured in a documentary recently. I think it was on Hulu. Basically, she was this dietitian turned religious leader turned essentially like cult leader. Like oh. I, I, it's more of a cult. And she used to teach this way down workshop where instead of reaching for food, when your stomach's growling, just reach for the Bible, you know, type deal. Oh, wow. And um, so we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So she was. Yeah. I mean, you listen, everybody's got their own their own ways. Right. But a lot of her behavior was extremely problematic. So she is the star or the subject of our second miniseries. And we're going to keep putting out miniseries on female scam artists until we're ready to launch our big season two case. Oh, I love it. Well, you know what? I, I love everything you're digging into and uh, making the world just a little bit of a better place. Hopefully maybe some people, maybe some people will have been uh, brought to justice here. So, um, okay. So. How, uh, tell us again, how people can find all of your podcasts. Absolutely. So you can find Dirty Money Moves at Dirty Money Moves on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find Murderish at Murderish Podcast on all platforms or maybe Murderish Pod on Twitter. But it's Murderish Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, Facebook. That's where I'm most active. I have a website, Murderish.com. You'll find some information on Dirty Money Moves there as well. Uh, And I, you know, both podcasts are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Perfect. Y'all got to listen. And Jamie, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Thank you, Tracy. It was my pleasure. It was really nice to meet you. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate, and review it. I'll see you next time.